listening to Carnivore Conversations, a podcast exploring the benefits of keto, carnivore, intermittent feasting, and other lifestyle hacks. Each week, we'll be interviewing a special guest from the keto carnivore community and so much more. This is your host, board-certified and practicing physician, Dr. Robert Kiltz. Well, it's uh, really, really my pleasure to uh, bring uh, Mahek Lok Handwala. Yes. A, a pleasure. What's that? It's a long, beautiful name. Beautiful name. And Mahek means fragrance. Yes. Right? Yes, and it's sir. all about the, the fragrance of life. And welcome uh, to, to share you. your story about keto and, and carnivore and, and more. So let, maybe we'll start yes. off by telling us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and, and uh, what got you in this crazy uh, keto carnival world. Right. Sure. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a wonderful journey since I ever started. Uh, to be honest, I've always been a very uh, passionate person in terms of fitness, like always wanted to keep fit and, you know, be healthy. But just like everybody else, I did not really know the ways and means to do it. So kept following conventional wisdom all the time. And uh, this was back in 2005 when I returned from the U.S. to India and we moved back from the U.S. I lived in Houston for about six years. I uh-huh. moved back to India and that's when I was looking to do something on my own. I've worked, uh, I've been independent in the U.S., worked for a jewelry company. So when I came back to India, I decided to continue the same. And then I took up a course in jewelry. I completed that and I opened up my store. I did a retail store in India. And of course, my fitness journey continued on the side. But yet again, it was the same conventional wisdom that everybody kept following. You know, eat more, eat less and move more and keep doing all of that. So continued all of that. And then I kept on gaining the weight, never lost it because like like everybody kept saying and doing, okay, you can eat what you want as long as you exercise, right? Okay, so, okay. I, I, I'm playing with the, with the video a little bit, so I'm still here. I just, uh, I want to focus yeah. on you, so I may change this a little bit. So oh, okay. keep going, sure, no keep problem. going, please. No so yeah, I kept doing all of that and uh, until I finally came to a to a point in my life where I figured that, boss, nothing is working. I mean, I'm just doing what everybody is doing and, you know, uh, things are just not going the way it should. And, of course, then uh, it, it came to me that why don't I do something for my health and, you know, try maybe try to take a different path or a different stream where maybe things could work. And that's when I started. I actually came across a friend in the gym and she happened to talk to me about intermittent fasting and how uh-huh. fasting can help. And I said, oh, it's just another fad that you're trying to show me, you know, not eating for so many hours. It's impossible because I'm somebody who used to eat eight meals a day. Yeah, wow. Wow. Literally eight meals, yeah, like three, three whole meals and then, you know, snacking all day. And at that point, we never had any guidance or any light upon how your blood work should look and, or how healthy, uh, you know, you should be internally. Because there are many a times when we see people that are very skinny and very thin and we consider them to be healthy only because mm-hmm. of the way they look, because of the aesthetics. But we never really get into the health and the blood work. So, yeah, again, I started with her uh, a little bit of intermittent fasting and I 
realized that, uh, yeah, this is working. This really helps to keep the cravings down. And she said, it's a good thing. You should keep doing it. And I remember I did it for about three to four months. And I lost a lot of weight. And it was really a good journey. I felt better. I felt so much lighter. So that's how I really started into fitness on my own for my own personal transformation. And, and how did you get into the Indian carnivore and begin to share that uh, uh, as, a, as a, an adventure? Oh, God, Indian carnivore. So that's been a long journey for four, four long years. And it's a little bit of an oxymoron because in India, we, the majority of the nutritional uh, practice is, is yes. uh, vegetarian. So, yes. yeah, but, so yes. please keep going in this story. Yes. 70% of India is vegetarian, right? And uh, it's no surprise to anyone today that we are the uh, capital in diabetes and we've seen the rates that they're alarmingly increasing. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to say per se vegetarianism is causing these issues, but there are a lot of other issues that are happening in the country. A uh, lot of addiction to junk food and sugar and, you know, processed food. That's actually what's creating the problem. So I had never in my uh, wildest dreams thought I would become a carnivore. But I took up this, uh, this path only after being on low carb for a pretty long time, for good about two years, is mm -hmm. when I started with intermittent fasting and I did low carb and it worked fantastically well. Um, I did lose the weight. I did get healthier, but I did want to get bit further on into this line, into this area. And I still remember uh, it was my mother who who is uh, a diabetic, uh, no more mm -hmm. a diabetic now, but was a diabetic. And I remember one day she came back home and she said, uh, oh, I visited the doctor. And the doctor said, everything is fine. And you can have your uh, foods like your chapatis is what that staple food in India is. Rice and bread and things like that. And we've all been eating and we've grown like this. So she said, we can, we, you know, my doctor said, you can eat everything you want and you can, uh, you'll have to continue the medications. You cannot stop the medication. And then I sat down with her and I told her, I said, how long have you had diabetes? And she said, it's been 33 years. And I wow. said, wow, for 33 years, your doctor is telling you that you can eat everything and continue medication. So there's got to be something wrong here. Either he's doing something wrong or then you're not probably understanding what he's trying to say. And I actually sat down and I did a little research when I came across uh, Dr. Jason Fung's book, uh, Diabetes Code. And that was my very first book that I ever read in my 40 years of life. I wow. used to hate reading. And I, I actually read that book like a Bible. And I decided that I'm going to take a little turnover in this chapter and I'm going to make people aware of what diabetes is and how they can reverse it, not manage it. Simply because in India, and I'm sure this is all over the world too, the word management is very common. We can manage diabetes, but we cannot reverse it. But we need to understand that diabetes is a food disorder, a disorder where your body is in a, uh, you know, not capable of, of handling the sugars. Insulin is not being able to do its job well. So instead of uh, stressing the liver, stressing the pancreas and the insulin, why don't we work on the main root cause of this? And that is food. So that's what actually took me into this journey of getting onto this path. You, you said uh, my uh, mother is a diabetic. She and was and diabetic. We, we call ourselves, I, I, I am a diabetic. I have cancer. 
uh, I'm a cancer survivor, diabetics, whatever these words are, but where do you think the language, and because you mentioned management, we're managing our diseases, and, yes. and where does the language fall into place in how to best manage the, the story? That's exactly what I keep telling people. Whilst we're trying to manage a problem, we don't have to live with a problem forever. We need to find the solution. And of course, the solution is only going to be where the problem lies. So if the problem for diabetes is, let's say, sugar or insulin, actually, it's insulin. Why are we trying to manage it with pills and medication? Insulin, it's doing its job. There is a reason why you have insulin, why your pancreas release insulin in the body. But what we are doing is we're overstressing those pancreas to work mm -hmm. more and more only because we're so addicted to these kind of foods. So, so since 70% of, of uh, people in India are vegetarians uh, and we're seeing a rise in, in the, these metabolic diseases, how, how would you right. explain how that's happening? Well, it is happening due to many reasons. Firstly, of course, due to a lot of religious reasons also are uh, a lot of religious uh, practices is what we are, we are uh, you know, doing in India because of which we are held bound or we are restricted to our food choices. So there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of people who, let's say, don't don't eat meat, for example, on Tuesday or a Thursday. And I always tell people why, what is, what is the reason? Where is the culture showing you or where is it written that you cannot do a certain thing for your health or you should do it in certain ways? So these things have got into people where, where it comes to religion. I think people are very, very uh, staunch about it and they don't want to make changes. That's one of the reasons. Mm -hmm. Second mm -hmm. reason is also your Western foods, the adaptation to Western cultural foods. We're having junk food. We're having fast food. A lot of these Western adaptations is what India is taking up on. And they're not realizing that with all these uh, adaptations, even the, the, the diseases come along. Is Coca-Cola common in India? Uh, sorry, is that again, sir? Is, is, are soda pops, Coca, Coca-Cola. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. yes. I, I mean, did we, these things exist in, in India? I mean, it's certainly yes. modernization over the last, uh, you know, 50 years. But yes. even before that, I mean, what do you, yes, how do you contribute these sort of things to the changes? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So soda uh, today, today, uh, to be very honest, in India, we're drinking more of soda than we even drink water. So soda, and I think all of us, and in, in, we, we say Western worlds, but we're all Westernized. We're, we're, we're in a modern culture of one, Absolutely. in essence. Absolutely. And so we're, you know, what are the industry? It's the industrialization of our yes. cultures. Yes. cultures. Where, where ultimately our culture was, we, we did the work for the food. We enjoyed the food that the family, but food, my bet is, in, even in India, you probably didn't eat eight times a day hundred years ago no they did not we always ate so if you ask any of the grandparents even today they all ate just three full meals breakfast lunch and dinner they really never snacked they always ate until they were full and and, and it was usually a family event an affair uh, would yes. you say in our ancient times and and ultimately the industrial complex where now we're working in offices yes. and factories Office. There's right. a there's a there's a bell that goes off for your break, your lunch, yes. X Y Z, yes. and you could leave. Yes, 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 yes. 
Yes, and there's a lot of lot of socializing that happens in India. So everybody wants to do what everybody else is doing, of course. So even that is another you know another subject that we need to. Everybody wants to eat as per okay what their friends are doing or what their family is doing. Nobody really wants to recognize hunger. Everybody so, just wants to enjoy and party every day. Yeah, so well, I would say we 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 think living in an amusement park is a good thing, but we actually should recognize that the temple is where we want to live, which exactly. is ultimately where ancient uh, uh, historic India came from tradition. Yes, yes. Absolutely. And those belief systems are all based on tradition. So how do you approach this in, in your clients and your coaching to help those that are suffering in, in this world with diabetes and other diseases of meta metabolic yes. damage? Yes. So what I do with my clients or with my trainees is usually I, uh, so you know, many, many of the nutritionists in India, they work on a simple diet plan, so-called thing as a diet plan. And I don't work on any kind of a paper diets. What I do with the clients, is I first want to make them understand where the problem is. Okay. Because we're going to find the solution exactly where the problem lies. And that's going to be in the blood work. So I always tell my patients or my trainees, get me the blood work. I will, uh, I will comprehend the entire blood work to you. I will make you understand what the problem is and how we're going to deal with it. Because a lot of times when I tell people, what do you eat? And they always come up and say, oh, we eat very healthy. But if it's that healthy, it should really show up on your blood work. So whenever I take a blood work and I show them the results, it really astonishes them that whatever they were thinking was healthy is actually harming them. So that is, is your my first approach. So let's stop on the blood work. What is your primary approach? Which blood work do you focus on in your in your uh, um, practice? So I usually focus on a couple of them. That's the fasting insulin, definitely. Uh, postprandial insulin. I need their uric acid, B12, vitamin D, and especially vitamin D because 90% of Indians are low on vitamin D because we fear the fats a lot here. And the rest of the world too. Of course, we all do. Yeah, yeah. But definitely here, you know, it's, it's a lot because everybody has, oh, if I eat the fats, I'll gain weight and I'll get high cholesterol. And I always tell them, I said, why would you get high cholesterol? Look at the vegetarian people. They don't eat meat. They don't consume eggs. How come their cholesterol is so high? How come their uric acid is so high? It's the sugar. So it's a lot of counseling that people need here. And I spend hours with my clients counseling them every single day every single day, even though when they're on the plan, more than a diet plan, more than actually writing them a paper diet, I keep counseling them to tell them what the foods are doing to them and what the foods have done to them because of which they have become diabetic. So you started on the second thing and I interrupted you. I apologize. No problem. The, the, after you mentioned sort of just the, the lab work, uh, what's the, the yes. next step in your approach? Yeah, so the next step is going to make them understand how we're going to change this lab work. Now, many a times, you know, people here are focusing on the weight loss part of it. So if I lose the weight, I will become healthy. And I try to explain to them it's not that. It's the other way around. If you start to gain the health by fixing your blood work, your weight is going to go down. You have to lose the weight because weight can never stay in a healthy body. There's no reason it's going to stay. The very fact you're gaining weight is a sign that your body is telling you you're doing something wrong. So I always tell them, I said, you're, you're gaining weight is the first sign that you're doing something wrong. When you don't address that problem, your body is going to give you another sign by showing it on your blood work. And when you come to me, usually you've already reached that second sign. 
So I always try to make changes to them on their meals by starting very small, small changes, like simple things, just change the refined oil. That's the first step we need to do in India because everybody here is using uh, sunflower, canola, all sorts of vegetables and seed oils. So that's which, the first step I try to do. Which oils do you recommend for the vegetarians? Same as the non-vegetarians, the saturated fats. It's either, of course, leaving the animal fat aside. Um, it's going to be uh, coconut oil, clarified butter, that's ghee, or uh, regular butter. And do you, do you see many vegans in your practice? Yes, yes. A lot of them. A lot of them. And, and, it's a rising and, phase here now. Yes, but but vegetarians were really the, the the culture, not veganism. Exactly, veganism was never the culture. It was always vegetarianism. So even in, even if you're a vegetarian, I tell people there are better choices. Why do you have to go onto carbohydrates or high carb diets, high sugar diet? I have a lot of vegetarian clients, and and now that I'm training them and I'm teaching them, I definitely teach them intermittent fasting, but not not at the first stage. First, they need to fix the plate because for a vegetarian to fast for long hours, it's going to be very difficult simply because of the bioavailability of the foods and they're going to keep feeling hungry. So what I tell vegetarians is first, let's fix the quality of your meals. Even if you're taking three to four meals, it's totally fine. First, fix the quality and then the body is going to start going into that fasting phase on its own. So everything has to be done step by step, yes. What's some basic approach to that quality that you make your changes? What's sort of, you have the, the, the simple five things on that, on that plate you recommend to focus on? It's to focus on, firstly, is removal of refined oils, seed oils, mm -hmm. removals of starch, removal of gluten, wheat, and removal of grains. So when you start replacing these with maybe paneer or a bowl of dal or some more vegetables for them it really makes them better and i have seen those changes drastically and, on vegetarians and and adding the animal fat and and for those for vegetarians yes for, for the, the non-vegetarians oh yes for the non-vegetarians it's a completely different ball game for them it's more of animal fat it's definitely not so much of vegetarian uh, food but you know with the culture and the mindset that people have in india we have this thing that oh no vegetarian is good because we're coming from a land of ayurveda and things like that so i tell them not a problem at least start replacing the first five things the starch the, the refined oils the sugars you know make those changes and you will see a lot of difference and i tell them try to keep the main cooking mediums as animal fat butter and ghee and even in your meals, try to include organ meat. So you get all your vitamins, all your supplementation can be coming from there. That's something I do for the non-vegetarians. So with non-vegetarians, it's really an easy, easy mm -hmm. game to go. And, and are you finding many vegetarians are converting to mostly a adding some meat into their nutrition? Yes. Yes, sir. Many of the vegetarians that I have come across also and I'm seeing around have at least started to incorporate eggs in their meals, which is a huge, huge uh, achievement for them. Just adding eggs. It, it makes them full. It keeps them full for a longer period of time. It's improved their blood work and they're feeling better. So that's that's what I at least I recommend them to or I help them to do that. And, and who is your average, average uh, client? Uh... Male, female, age group, um, can you kind of share a little bit of that with us? Yes, it's it's mostly females uh, over the age group of 40. Hmm. Yeah, because I so, guess that's the time when, you know, the issues really start to crop up. 
you know, we, we've gone through our thirties and we've, you know, we've got our youth that's, that's been there and we felt so great. We've had yes. our kids in some ways. Yes. Uh, are, are you seeing a, a large increase in infertility in India? Yes, sir. There's a large increase in infertility in India because, again, of the processed foods, the sugars. I have a lot of young girls, uh, 20, 22, coming up to me with PCOD and PCOS problems already. And that's really way too young for them to address these issues when they should be really in their, you know, enjoying phase. And, and um, I'm assuming many of these women in their 40s have children and a family how are yes, they utilizing sir. that information for the rest of their family? So whenever there's a woman uh, or a lady that comes on my program or comes to me for a consultation, I feel extremely happy because I feel through that one person, I can maybe change the family because she's going to eventually cook for everybody right in the house. So yeah, they definitely, I definitely give them some tips for their kids also. And it makes a lot of difference because Whatever you're going to cook in the kitchen, obviously your family is going to eat that. You know, at, at, at first, there's going to be a lot of retaliation and uh, all the naysayers keep on saying no, 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 especially when it comes to changing the refined oils. Also in India, what happens is because we are living in joint families with our elders, with our grandparents, our in-laws, we always have to take into consideration what everybody is going to eat at the table. So that becomes a huge, uh, mm. you know, challenge for the women because they come up to me and say, oh, my mother-in-law doesn't allow me to change the oil. My husband doesn't like the taste of coconut oil. So this becomes a huge challenge. And I tell them, you know what, just try doing a little mixing here and there and don't tell them and try to do it alone in the kitchen. So it's just a little slow process, but it's going to happen. That's for sure. No matter where you are in this world, our focus is on our family and, and, and women um, are focused on caring for their family and uh, yes. they often ignore themselves. Yes, very often. And especially in India, because we have this, this culture here that, oh, if I've had kids and if I'm married and if I've had kids, my life is done and dusted with. I don't have to do anything for myself. But I always tell them it's like you sitting in an airplane. You, know, you have to wear the oxygen mask first so that you can be helpful to the one next to you. And your entire family depends on you. Where do you in incorporate uh, physical um, uh, exercise in, in your in your uh, health plans? Physical exercise. Uh, so physical exercise, sir, I'm not sure how it works in the other parts of the world. But in India, we have this notion that, oh, like if I eat every whatever I eat, I can go exercise and I can, you know, burn it off. And it doesn't yes. really work like that. We've all done it. I have done it for 15 years. So this is something where, again, counseling becomes a very integral part of my program in terms of exercise, where I need to make them understand that exercise is great, but it's great for your mental health, great for your physical health and strength. It's really got nothing to do with weight loss. You need to fix your nutrition first, and then your exercise will aid to give you a proper health journey ahead. So exercise is definitely um, a compulsion on my program. Whatever form of exercise you can do as per your time frame, as per your work schedule, I'm okay with that. But they have to do some form of activity, whether it's yoga, swimming, a sport, weight training, strength training, whatever it comes to, they have to incorporate exercise. Yes. And especially for the women, because women take this very, very lightly when it comes to weight training. We all feel here that we're going to bulk or we're going to gain muscles and we're going to be become muscular. And what we don't realize is that we women are doing the most, uh, we're doing the, the, 
you know, the most, uh, the, the part where we need to actually have more strength to carry out mm-hmm. our daily activities. We're carrying our kids all day. We're, we're, we're helping our children to carry their school bags, which are heavy. We're carrying things in the house. We women need to get that strength from strength training. And we are not going to become muscular or bulky. We're just going to be more stronger. That's all. And, and uh, how do you approach uh, those at, at, uh, in the 60s plus, 70s plus, 80s plus uh, in, in, in your clients? You mean in terms of exercise sir, or in terms of the food? Or the no, 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 just just an overall. How do you approach those that are that are you know well over forty? And that are, I'm sixty-seven. Yes. I'll be I'll be I'll be sixty-seven in a few months. Uh, you yes. treat me differently than the forty-year-old, or differently than the eighty-five-year-old? Definitely, it's going to be different because you have probably lived four and five decades of your life eating a certain way, you know. And then you don't want to change. Like my mother never wanted to change for till I told her that you're going to be, you know, on pills all your life. So it's very, very hard to change the senior citizens here. You just have to treat them like babies. You really have to make them understand that even though they have whatever span of life that they do have, they need to spend it with, with, you know, with grace and with dignity and with good health. They should not be dependent on other people. So I keep training them. So it's, it's a little different for them in terms of food. They will not make changes 100%, but at least 50%. So like cutting off the refined sugars, just eating three full meals, cutting off the processed foods. And there's a lot of tradition here where, you know, we're involving sweets at every single uh, occasion. We're actually using sweets, not occasionally now. We're using it every single day. So earlier when we had celebrations, like you have Christmas, or you have a Thanksgiving, you actually celebrate those days. But now in India, we're celebrating everything every single day. So we're actually giving, getting access to sweets and sugary items on a daily basis. So that is what is actually um, mm. you know, harming mm-hmm. the, the senior citizens also and our younger kids. Supermarkets, supermarkets. Yes. And they contain all the things that we had from time to time. Uh, holidays are meant to be infrequently, holy days are meant to be every day. So we've confused yes. holy days and holidays holiday, uh, yes. uh, in our life. And, and that's part of the problem. And it's so simple yes. and easy to get a sweet, uh, a treat. Everywhere. Uh, yes. It's, it, we no more celebrate these occasions. We no more celebrate or we don't look forward to them because we can just eat them every single day. And I tell people that's, that's one thing you can at least follow is keep, these sweets keep these foods as entertainment they are not food for performance so use them as entertainment use them on a celebratory moment and what's been your 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 hardest client to to break any particular um, characteristics yeah there's a lot there's there's people who will come and tell me i'm not going to change my oils and you can give me some other ways of doing things and i'm not going to leave my sugar my stevia There have been very tough people, yes. And yeah, so I don't try to get very harsh with them. You know, I just try to twist things. So I let them start the way they want to start. And then as they continue on the program, I try to make a little changes. See, because the thing is, if I'm going to tell them, they're not going to believe it. I need to start changing the the food quality. I, I need to start giving them food, which will give them satiety, which will pull down the cravings. And that's when they themselves come up and tell me that, okay, yes, this is working for me. So in, in the beginning, I find everybody to be very tough. But of course, the non-vegetarians are a little easier to handle. 
vegetarians are the ones that are really tough. And how, how are you doing on the carnivore story? Oh my God, that's that's a very, very, uh, yeah, that's a different story altogether. So carnivore is something that I, I happened to go on since I was on low carb for a couple of years, then switched to keto. And as I kept reading books and I kept experimenting with things, I wanted to just get one step ahead. And I hit onto carnivore on Instagram through Sean Baker's post. And I, I figured, I said, oh, my God, this man is just eating meat all day and nothing else. And this is how he looks. So maybe there's something to this, you know. And then, of course, I went into a lot of more readings of carnivore. I had a lot of cross uh, opinions on carnivore. Somebody said it's too extreme. Somebody said it's, it's, very, it's very good for your health and your gut. Although I never had any issues, any gut issues or stuff like that. But, yes, I always had a lot of bloating, a lot of mm -hmm. gas. And I had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, untimely bowel movements. And we are always under this impression that, that having more bowel movements is very healthy because you're kind of cleaning your gut and detoxifying your, your system. And when I hit carnivore and I started carnivore, I had a very, very tough journey because uh, I was reading a carnivore code by Paul Saladino. And his book actually made me eliminate everything that I was eating on my plate. So when I actually started the journey and I started the elimination, it was a very tough journey because I wouldn't be pooping for three days. Mm -hmm. I would have sleepless nights. And I was like, oh, my God, what exactly am I doing? Is this really the way to go? But as I kept uh, reading into his book and I kept reading things on Instagram about carnivore, I realized that I need to do this on a very slow process. I need to eliminate certain things, but I need to keep adding the meats, the good fat, the good protein all the more. And that's how I started this journey. And now it's been about two years Mm -hmm. that I'm complete carnivore and it just feels a bliss. I have never gone back to eating fiber or eating any kind of fruits or any, any and I've never had any problems, no cold, no flus, nothing, never taken a pill. So carnivore has been a beautiful journey. But yes, it's very tough in India for people to accept it because going all meat means, okay, maybe I'm going towards a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And so how That's do you, very, how do you explain that? Uh, well, the only way I can explain it to them is through my own example and through the way my my clients who are doing carnivore are getting better on blood work, getting better on health. Their markers have drastically improved. So that's how I do it. I mean, I keep telling them this is how I am doing this, is how my family is doing it. And we all have backed up research for it. It's nothing that I talk out of my own brain. We have enough evolutionary research for it. And I just keep telling them, you know, let's do it step by step. Let's not go into it 100%. So even if they can remove a little fiber, maybe add a little more meat, see how the, and each body is going to react differently. Like nobody's going to, you know, be carnivore overnight. So it's going to be small, small changes to, to do. And that's how they do it. And, and a lot of people have achieved success, at least on my program, they have. Well, and, and where are you fitting in fasting? True fasting, uh, meaning 24, 12, you know, I, I, I do 23 and one in general. I eat one meal yes. a day at night. I might have a little bit of piece of steak uh, uh, a couple times a day, but that's really it. Maybe a spoonful of butter. Um, yes. Where are you on this fasting journey and sharing this? Fasting. Story? Yes. So fasting. fasting. Fasting journey is, um, again, a very scientific uh, way of telling them that our body is not meant to feast 24 seven. 
right? That's the, that's the way I put it to them, that you, you're not going to be grazing all day because when you're constantly grazing, you're constantly uh, troubling insulin to keep on releasing and you're troubling your other organs because they don't get time to rest. So I tell my clients, don't attempt a fast intentionally. Uh, try to do a fast and try to do it in a way where your body is demanding the fast. So you eat nutrient-dense foods. You work on your plates. We work on each plate of theirs. I try to change the quality of the food. Mm -hmm. When I do that, all of those clients who used to eat maybe four or five meals a day, bring it down to three meals a day. And then they consecutively bring it down to two meals a day. So I'm not incorporating or forcing a fast into their program, into their schedule. What I'm telling them is we just change the quality and your body is automatically going to start the fast because when it doesn't need the food, it's just not going to demand it. So that itself is your fast. But like a lot of other issues come up when they're fasting is like headaches. They have migraine. They have constipation issues. And I tell them water and salt, some electrolytes are going to help. Uh, even a black coffee for that matter is going to help. And when they start off by doing these small changes during a fast, it's really helping them to achieve a 24-hour fast. Like right now, I'm running a challenge for seven days in my program for a 24-hour fast. But I definitely don't recommend a, a person who is doing a 12-hour fast to go into a 24 immediately. I tell them to progress it from 12 to 13 to 14 and so on. So usually the ones who have crossed a 20-hour uh, fasting period, they are well comfortable and they're able to do a 24-hour fast. And most of them that have finished the program and are happy with the 24-hour are continuing. Are you doing a seven-day straight fast? Yes. No, not a straight fast. It's a one okay. meal a day. So Got I tell the, I, I put up the challenge where I said, you choose your meal timing as per Got your it. schedule and as per your hunger. But the whole idea of the challenge is it's going to be one single meal in 23 hours. And within the fasting period, you're going to take either water and salt. You can stick to one black coffee and they're good to go. Where, where do you, where does tea and coffee fit in this? Uh, I like to go the more traditional way where I avoid the tea and coffee in the fasting period, mm -hmm. unless it's really a beginner. But I do let the clients take the tea and coffee with the meal when they are completing the fast. I mean, when they're on the meal. What, so are, your I thoughts don't on, recommend. what are your thoughts on the harmfulness of teas and coffees? Uh, I don't see there's a harmfulness, but I just feel that it, it kind of becomes like a dependency on it. So I like to still keep everything to zero. I like to keep the insulin really low and try to keep it only on water and salt. And that really helps to even bring down the craving. So I'm okay if somebody wants to take a tea or a coffee, but it has to be black. Of course, no mm. cream, no sugar, no milk. Because here, you know, we tend to create our own fast in India. We always, I'm sure others do it too. We try to add lemon water. We want to add some honey in it, some mint in it. And we're trying to create and we call it a fast. And I tell them it's very simple, boss. A fast means zero calories, nothing going into your body, just water. That's it. So I like to always keep it traditional. But it comes a little on the later stage when they've crossed it. And I would say that a little bit of, of, of bone broth or, or, or butter. And even yes. if you, it, it, again, it's, it's your journey, not mine. And uh, you're the one that's doing yes, the very best. Absolutely. Minimize uh, yes, uh, is yes. is great, and eliminate is like wow. Yes. But but uh, we live in a world wow. where yes. we drive yes. cars and fly airplanes, and there's plenty of True. unhealthy, uh, 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 risky things we do that 
you know, eating, uh, you know, breaking your fast with a spoonful of butter or a little with bit of bone broth is okay. But, you yes, know, absolutely. You, That's so tell us about the, because the community is so important. And, and I think maybe that's one of the problems with Western medicine. It's a visit to a doctor and then you go on your way. Uh, but yeah. now we're seeing coaches and cheerleaders and groups growing, helping people find a community to help them on their healing journey. What are your thoughts on how valuable that is? Absolutely. That is very, very valuable because that's exactly what we need. Functional medicine is, is what we need today. We need to teach people to, to gain health without medications. I, I have never been against medicine per se because, of course, I'm sure doctors are doing the best they can to heal people. But I would still say, why don't we go the lifestyle way first and then go the doctor way? So healing your body, healing your gut through food where you can find better options, I think that'd be a better way to, to you know, uh, to, to put this across rather than straight going on a pill. That's, that's how I look at it. And, and you've been doing your, are you doing online teaching or mostly face-to-face? Yes, I do both, sir. So during the COVID times, of course, we never had access to offline teaching and offline consultations. So we did everything online. I did everything through video calls. But now that things are better and scenario has gotten much, much easier to meet people, I do a lot of offline consultations because I feel it gives me a more, a wider, you know, option where I can discuss things with, with my trainee. And I think I make them, and that's what makes them feel more comfortable when you're actually face-to-face with them. Because you understand a lot of issues that they may not be able to, we may not be able to address online. And and how do the 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 doctors in India um, feel or or react to their patients kind of doing these out of the box things? Box therapies, yeah, they're yes. not very happy about it. They're not very happy about it. Are you so. finding many docs uh, or any docs that are begin to say like, well, wait a minute, your diabetes is gone after 30 plus years. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's not supposed to happen. Are they exactly. inquisitive? In yes, they are. They do. They are inquisitive and they're very discouraging on this part. Like my own mother, when she went back and she said, oh, you know, doctor told her you're doing something wrong and you're going to harm your health and I'm not going to take responsibility of whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what, don't worry about it. I'm taking responsibility of her because I know where the problem is coming from and I know how the solution, What it, it, it should have been a solution that you should have given her. Well, the, so, the, the amazing story here is, is that um, people like, like um, Jason Fung are MDs. Uh, Sean exactly. Baker is an MD. Uh, yeah, Ken Berry is an MD. Paul Saladino, yes. although he's promoting- You are an MD. Fun- Honey, thank you. Honey and fruit now, which is not good for us. Exactly. And and so, you know, he brought he brought a really great book, uh, but he's not sharing that those concepts. And I think maybe that's probably one of the challenges is because we all of us, we're human beings. We go we're like this. Right. Uh, But I when a doctor is pushing it, although although standard doctors push that all the time. So we're just questioning the fact that you call yourself a carnivore, call yourself a carnivore, and you're recommending non-carnivore foods on frequency. And and, I mean, I'll do a little bit of my ice cream, a little sugar once in a while, a little French fries once in a while. But on on any regular basis, 
it's steak, butter, salt. Butter, salt. Which is kind of the simplicity of this whole process. Yes, 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 yes. And I do agree with this because I get a lot of DMs uh, whenever uh, Carnivore MD puts up a video or, you know, he puts up his honey and fruits and I get this bombardment. Oh, he's eating all the fruits and you're telling us not to eat the fruit. I'm like, boss, you need to understand where he's coming from. Look at the junk that you guys are eating. You want to eat the processed foods and you want to add the honey and then you want to add the fruit. How is it going to work? And I always tell them, I said, look at him. He's at least eating raw meat, okay? And then he's adding the honey and the and the fruit to it. Can you do that? So this is one of the problems I face in India. Whenever he puts up a post, I get this bombardment of, oh, he's well, eating the fruit and he's eating the raw honey. It's called silently sick. Exactly. So so people drop dead of diabetes, of cancer, of heart disease. Yeah, heart disease. And then we say, well, they were healthy or they ate healthy. But in fact, uh, the illnesses from a repetitive use of something. So repetitive honey or, or fruit will do damage cause calling glycation. It like, damages yes. the, the liver first. See, I think insulin resistance is liver damage. 100%. So the liver is damaged. The insulin cannot convert the sugar that or the amino sugar. acids to fat. Exactly. And that's where the damage happens. But, but ultimately he's younger. And so exactly. if, if he's, as we're exposed to these things. Now, why some people and not others, and many people have a great functional liver and they're able to convert the sugars to keep the overall glucose and glycation low enough. But, but, uh, so so there's a rising case of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So India is right. having a rise in this, in this, exactly. And I, and I always tell them, why is this happening? It's because of your platters of fruits that you're eating. It's tons of fructose. It, it's tons of, well, fructose is just natural sugar. We have oh, to help yeah, everyone. Sure. Fructose is natural <laughs> sugar. So, so every Coca-Cola contains natural sugar in it. And natural sugar, like your body doesn't know the difference between a Coke a candy and 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 a fruit or vegetable the sugars are sugar no matter where they come sure. from and the body says oh more sugar and it's exactly. it's it's happy for that because it wants to make fat, fat. so if you get fat so you survive the famine the but unfortunately we never have the famine here <laughs> we don't have them anymore Pretty, how, how how about the uh, the the um, the uh, the fake meats? Are you having that same issue in in India where people are going for the impossibles and the beyonds, which is basically plants uh, made into something they call meat? Meat, yeah, not so much. I've not been seeing any much of those here. Not yet. I have not not yet. Yeah. We're still about, on the vegetarian side, so yeah, the vegetarian yeah. Side. You, you're right, you're right, right. So it's it's a there's not that many meat people eating meat. No, anyway. there's not. So no, there's not. Pe- it's like the meat eaters have turned into vegetarians. That's that's and because that's the that's the mass marketing. It's like yes, it's like by, bombarding, by bombarding with 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 this is healthy. Buy buy f buy cryptocurrency. Um, yes, you got to yes, be doing this. Uh, so we're masterfully marketed. And you mentioned everyone wants to follow everyone else. 
Yes, that's how the trend is here. Everyone wants to follow everyone else. So whatever diet I give somebody, they want to just, you know, copy paste it and give it to somebody else. And, and I said, it's never going to work. Your DNA is completely different from somebody else. Your genetics are different. Your problems are different. So your solution is going to be different. This is not like a copy paste. You cannot do it. Fasting uh, but, works differently for everybody else. For right, everybody. But, but I wonder if... We say everyone's different, but if you and I were rats or lions or monkeys, would we say that each rat, lion, and monkey is uniquely different? Well, I wouldn't say that, but what I'm trying to say is that everybody, people are not recognizing their problems first. They just want to copy paste what somebody is doing. What I'm saying is take your approach differently. Use, use your signs, use your fasting, use your feasting, but use it in a different approach what pertains to your health issues. Go with that. Which which may be related to you have more damage, you have less damage. You're, exactly. geneti- you're more genetically predisposed to liver damage exactly. or kidney damage or brain damage. It's just like exactly. there are things running families. What what Absolutely. are the mo- what are the five most common diseases that you're seeing in your in your uh, country or in your uh, practice of the patients you're taking care of? It's diabetes number one. Uh, there is uh, hypertension. And most diabetics, 99% of the diabetics that I'm seeing are with hypertension. Wow. And then there is a lot of PCOD right now. There is a lot of thyroid imbalance. So these are the issues I'm seeing here. How about cancer? Are you seeing a lot of cancer showing up? A lot of cancer. Yes. Now it's in the last two years, two and a half years, I've seen it a lot. Every, Every other family has one cancer patient. How does it make you feel when you feel like you got the answer, but no one's listening. Terrible. Terrible. You know, you want to help, you want to share things that can heal them, but they just don't want to accept the problem. And I'm seeing that with my own family. It's not too far. It's, it's in my own immediate family. There are people that are obese and that are unhealthy and they're on six to 10 pills a day, but they just don't want to change. We've been eating this way. Don't ask us to change. We're okay to take medication. And, and what's your thoughts on the value of medications to help people live better and longer? Uh, like I said, medication has its own place. I don't deny that. I'm sure it's, it's saving a lot of lives. But I would still go the healthy lifestyle way first. And then if, if that's not going to work or if you need further assistance, then you would go on to medication. But ultimately, so the chronic use of multiple medications adds to many other medical 100% problems. 100% it does. Right, 100%. right. That, that, and that's, that's the thing. And, then it's going to be a placebo effect. And, and I mean, there are, there are more people disabled at younger and younger ages, dying yes. of diseases at younger and younger ages. Yes. And so the work you're doing is about education and it must be a very tough one, but the fact that you use carnivore in your label, but, but keto and keto and fasting, which keto and paleo is really adding more fat to the diet, eating less frequently because in our ancient past, we probably ate maybe one meal a day. Yes. Or less. Yeah. I think yeah, one meal a day and maybe less. Yes. And this, and they did really well. They were all healthy. They had very rare what, diseases. They did. What are the most common uh, meats that are available uh, in your communities? Uh, so we don't get cow here. We're getting buffalo meat and we get uh, a lot of lamb. A lot of organ meat is what we are. Because, and also that the Muslim culture, 
uh, is getting a lot of access because we're all non-vegetarian. So we have a lot of access to lamb and to uh, chicken, to fish, to organ meat. So th these are the things that are really, really yum. And just that the cow meat is, is not allowed in India, so we don't get access to that. But but so uh, but uh, is is uh, do they do they raise cattle to to uh, export it all from India? Yeah, they do. They do. We don't get the, the we don't get the top quality of meat here. So everything is already sent out, and most of it is soy and grain, uh, corn fed. That's Got another it. issue to get grass fed. It's the toughest over here. We don't get it. And, and um, what what uh, what is your in twenty three? You know, 20, 20, 21 and twenty two is gone, and here we are yeah. twenty three with COVID. Hopefully. You know, gone calming down or gone nothing's gone forever but you know calming yes. down uh where where where's your what's your mission in this new 23 well, to get people better and healthier that's what i started in 2020 with and i think that covid actually made a lot of people aware of the things they were missing out so it actually taught them what they what they what they ignored what they neglected and i told them i said you know what covid came to teach you what you did not appreciate your health so at least now we can, you know, make take steps further on to improve that. So little by little, yes, we're trying and, and things are getting much better than what I had seen four mm -hmm. years back. People do, are do getting you, very aware. Do you think carnivore, paleo uh, and, and keto are helping reduce people's exposure to the seriousness of, of COVID? Yes, it is. Yes, it is, sir. Yeah, Absolutely. especially carnivores. And I'm seeing a lot of carnivores now in India. So I, I see the, the family growing. Well, ultimately, everyone wants to live healthy and, yeah. and vibrantly and not, not need doctors other than maybe we're friends of, of some people. And exactly. don't need them I, emergencies. And that's it. True. True. The only time I saw a doctor in my entire five years of this journey was when my transformation was happening. And I was actually on a statin for about five months. I was put on a statin for five months because my LDL showed as 163, which is barely 13 points above the, you know, the range. And I was put on a statin for five months and that statin drove me nuts. I had put on 18 kgs and I was not doing any intermittent fasting. I only wanted to eat carbs and sugar all day and night. That's hmm. what I wanted to do on a statin. And that was actually my another of my turning point, uh, you know, besides my mother's issue. This was my turning point of what am I doing to my body? What am I doing? Yeah. What is cholesterol? I didn't even know what cholesterol was. Somebody just put me on a drug and I was on it for five months. And I was is just it, going crazy. Is it possible that... The measurement of cholesterol, LDL, HDL, VLDL, triglycerides, and all of it is actually false. Possible. It is also it's all false. So so the problem is we're looking for a normal level, but but there's no evidence that those levels mean there what they no say evidence. they mean. But exactly. we've been frightened. Yes. Frightened. We've been, yep. To go. Yes. Well, we fear fat and we discriminate against people that are fat. Yes. Um, I say that being fat causes no disease. Absolutely. I have seen healthy people that are fat. Yep. All day long. Fat. 
Yep. All in love. Yeah. Yep. I've yep. We it. should we should lim right. we should eliminate the obesity word, the fat word. We just Absolutely. recognize that that if someone's walking down the street like they're drunk, well, they got there because they drank alcohol. If they're overweight, it's likely because mm -hmm. they're eating carbs. And high carb, low fat diet is deadly. That's okay. really it. That's yes. it. Do you have any ratios of fat to proteins that you talk about or fat to overall nutrition in your diet? I like to keep it one to one. It's what I try to tell people to keep it. And that's a real good balance to, you know, maintain their satiety and all of that. And I, that's exactly what I recommend a one to one. And yeah, I one typically one. recommend one meal. You could do one or two snacks, but if you can get the one yes. meal, like the Ferrari is running better. I swear, it took me two years to come on a one meal, and I have struggled to come on a one meal. And I know the journey, it's been very tough. It, it, it's not easy, but I always say we're all capable of hard. Oh, yeah, and, of, course, and, of course. And and hard is, is where where the, the, the real the real um, um, growth yeah. happens. Growth right? happens. So so you mentioned the 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 uh, obesity code. Uh, what, what would you put as your favorite book in this in this keto carnivore world that you've been in? Would that so be the one, or do you have any others? Yeah, there is. There is the obesity code is one of them, of course. Uh, the diabetes code, and the other one that really turned me around was Gary Tobbs' "Why We Get Fat." Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. one, and in another one, I really, really love where I learned a lot of technical stuff in regards to insulin and cholesterol was Dr. Ben Bickman. That was his book. And I loved, loved, loved his book. It's amazing. In fact, I think all his books are amazing. Do you ever think the science makes it just too difficult to understand? Yeah, sometimes it does. Because ultimately we just we just want the simple story yeah, we just want to be explained it in a more simpler way and 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 how do we get the word fat to be like fat fertile and fantastic there's a lot of fear on fat and i have to keep explaining this to people you're not going to get fat by eating fat fat fertile and fantastic that's really the story here yeah, yeah. And and that's what we have to emulate. That 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 fat causes no disease. Fat uh, and, and and that is fuel. Fat is the only fuel for the body. It's the only fuel, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And so how do how do um what what's your I don't know if I asked about bowel movements and constipation. I wanted to just ask a little bit about that. You mentioned that your bowel movements you know, we're all yeah. taught that one to three bowel movements a day uh, is the very best way. Uh, yeah. Maybe you could share your thoughts and ideas of, of, of how you've seen the change and what do you think the benefits for the. Yeah. And I remember you doing a video. I, I think you did a video or an IGTV. Uh, no, I think it was a it was a reel that you you made a couple of weeks back or a, a month or so back on fiber and how fiber doesn't really, uh, you know, kind of irritates your bowel movements. And I remember that when I read, when I saw that reel, I could actually relate to it because I used to pass motions, like I'm saying, untimely in the whole day. Yeah, but yeah. since I got to carnivore, I realized my bowel movements are so particular. I'm there on the, every single day at the same time. So that is one of the ways I have recognized my body is healthy, my gut is healthy, because there's nothing happening untimely. Everything is on point. Yeah, 
So this is something, this is one of the ways I even teach my trainees to understand their bowel movements and, of course, watching their poop. You've got to watch your poop. I said, check. If you've eaten enough fat, your poop is going to settle down. You have to understand. You have to see these are signs your body is giving you. And, and uh, I know I, I used to suffer from bowel bleeding, arthritis, psoriasis, migraines, kidney my stones. My husband. And hemorrhoids. And literally, my husband. I, I, it got slightly better on keto, but it went away in one month on carnivore. And yeah. I have a bowel movement uh, uh, maybe every two to three days, sometimes every four days. There's no more blood, no more hemorrhoids, no more pain, no more bloating. It's, yeah. it's like no more living like, oh, my God, you know, it's and doing, taking all the things, the the, Pins, the, yeah. the prunes, the pills, Pins. the X, Y, Z, come out, probiotics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you brought up probiotics. Uh, I have my opinion of probiotics. Where, where do you think the microbiome fits in all of this story? I think on a carnivore diet, you really don't need anything. You're, everything has been taken off with your food. I, I don't really go on to this topic with probiotics with anybody. I said, if you're carnivore, your gut is clean. It's, it's like a pipeline, right? Your pipeline is just clean. And you don't need any of those extra additional stuff to put in. We don't take nothing. My husband has suffered from bleeding for, for I think, about two to four years, literally. Yeah. Every single stool he passed, there was bleeding. And yeah. I remember taking him for a colonoscopy and the doctor told him, uh, you have to stop all forms of meat. Go vegetarian. Yes, and that's what he did. And, yeah. and he still it still continued. Every time he would stand up from the chair, his pants were wet yep. with blood. Yep. So we, I said, you know what, there has to be some other way to this. And since we've both gone carnivore, it's been three years, not a drop of blood in his stool, sir. Not a and, drop. He is a and, carnivore. And almost no toilet paper is required. Nothing. There is nothing needed, sir. You, one you meal know, a day, one poop a day, and you're done. And, and that's the most amazing thing is that all, all, of, all of the marketing to sell the stuff to help heal, to help control our damage control. is all because of the food we're eating food, exactly and and that's as simple as that that's as simple my husband's been taking a, a, a pepsid and a zantac for the longest in his life almost 40 years he's every wow. meal he's had anti-acid he cannot eat a meal without an anti-acid period so I mean, last three years it's been nothing not even one single he's never even had a burp so we, we sort of uh, uh, missed the point that the food that we've been eating for a long time, because, yes. you know, it's getting worse. We had these diseases before, but they're getting yeah. more common. For 10,000 years, we've been duped to eat a bunch of plants. And then exactly. we've, been taught, we've been taught not to eat meat. Yes. And, and that in itself has been causing the disease uh, that we've been all suffering from. So Yes, yes. I totally agree with that. Like I said, I don't tell everybody to go carnivore overnight. You could do it eventually. But even if you're taking a little bit of veggies, let's say with your meats, okay, that's not a problem. It just eliminate the wrong the wrong things in your meat, in your foods. And then slowly you keep building up. And then you'll recognize your lion and you've been wearing sheepskin because someone's exactly. lied to us. Lied to you. Lied, right? They lied to the lions. Yes. Uh, anything you want to ask me, my I'd like to know a little bit about yourself, sir, because I've only known you through Instagram. So I'd love to know how you got into being carnivore and now that you're, uh, you know, promoting it so much. 
Well, let's see, I'm a standard American doctor. I went to uh, medical school and residency in OBGYN, and then I became a fertility physician and I practiced standard medicine. And uh, after a while, I began to realize that no matter what I did, you know, it's, I was using pills, shots, and dissections and never talked about diet. Um, I, I actually integrated um, uh, yoga, meditation, and prayer in my practice uh, over 20 years ago. And then about 15 plus years ago, some of my clients were getting pregnant on this diet called paleo. And I was like, well, what is paleo? And maybe it's been almost 20 years now, I want to say, but I was like, okay, I don't know anything about paleo. I knew about Atkins because I needed to lose weight. And, and, um, and then I, I, uh, I started reading about paleo and I found keto from Marie Emmerich and, and all the same people we've all learned from. And then um, I learned carnivore about 12 years ago and I went carnivore in that one month, everything went away. Now I didn't share that because carnivore was really too outrageous. So keto kind of was, you know, I can talk, talk, Sounds about, a little you know, I can keto and paleo was fine. And, and, um, and so as a doctor, I went into medicine to help people. And I figured, well, if I know a secret, I got to tell it, you know, that's what this, this is really leading to do. My sister, Marianne, died at 52 of diabetes. My best friend, Dave Kilmer, from medical school, died of cancer at 52. And, and, uh, and my friend was healthy when he died. But, oh. but, and then something happened that wasn't healthy. And so I had to dig deep and to figure out what it was and realized the simplicity of the story. We are lions. And if you eat like a lion, and my sister diabetes, she had type one since age four. Had they, if she not been fed from in utero, a plant-based diet, and then for the first four years, a plant-based diet, she probably would have never gotten diabetes in the first place. And so type one diabetes is a plant-based disorder. Type two diabetes, in every disease we suffer from are plant-based diseases. Even when people say to me, well, I've got a rare uh, autoimmune disease. I say, autoimmune, well, yes. It, but autoimmune plant diseases based. are plant-based disorders. Right? I agree with you. And I see many such clients. I see many such people in India with autoimmune issues. And I tell them, just go off the plants. Just leave yes. the toxins away. Right. And so and so, as a fertility doctor and over COVID, I love sharing this stuff. And, you know, we've, we're all learning and meeting new people from the globe, which is like the most fantastic thing I've ever read. This is really a community of healing. And we're not, we're not arguing about the papers and the science. It doesn't matter. We know the simplicity, exactly. you know, eat, eat fatty meat, eat less frequently and drink water. That again, it's, it's that, that's as simple as that, that will yes. bring back your true health and, and vitality. And, and so, you know, it's kind of, this is a fun world and we're, we're, you know, listening to everyone's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. And oh, I, just yeah, went down, yeah. I just went down to Costa Rica and worked on the reversed TV series on carnivore. Uh, let's see, uh, who did I met? Ken Berry, uh, Anthony Chafee, oh uh, Kelly Hogan, uh, Bella Ma, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Bronson Daunt, uh, Don. Lucky. Don, Don uh, 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 let's see. Oh my God, Don uh, Vega. And um, uh, let's see, Emily Harvo. I mean, there were other people. I'm, I apologize if I'm missing anyone, but no amazing people. 
that you and I are all part of this growing community, community. to share a way to leave the diseases in the dust and, and, and let go of the fear that we've all had for fat, fat. And you want to focus on fat. Everyone said, some people say, well, protein's more important. Fat well, I still say fat is more important. Yes, fat, fat is fat. It suppresses uh, the microbes in the bowels. Yes. Ever notice that butter never grows mold? Yes. Amazing, right? Amazing. Yeah. So, you said that in one of your reels too. But but everyone, so many people say, well, fat is so inflammatory, and that's why everyone's sick with fat. Not at all, right? Well, if you had so much of fat, if you eat fat, you'd not be infertile. And that's what I tell people. Your infertility is coming because you're not eating enough fat. Where are your sex hormones? <laughs> and you mentioned PCOS and, and, yes, and, and, PCOD. and things like that. PCOD. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about, I just, I've got a few more minutes. I just want to add a few things. I don't know. Is your time okay? It's I'm good. fine. Okay, good. Um, um, uh, oh, man, my, my brain just uh, went, went on. Did he fat? Uh, oh, I know. Um Menopause. What's your thoughts on those suffering from menopause and do you approach it in a very similar way? So the approach for menopause is still going to be pretty similar. You need to still go on the fat because that's what they're fearing and that's what is going to actually. So menopause shouldn't really hit before the, the, set, the set period. But right now in India, I'm seeing it come very early, yeah. almost in their 40s, they're get hitting menopause. And I tell them, so there's, there's got to be something wrong that you're eating that's getting you to menopause so early. It shouldn't happen so early. You know, it's, it, it, it's just, you, you sparked my, my interest because basically it's there must be some pesticide or environmental factor or, or something out there. But none of us have been trained to think and ask questions about food. What are you eating? Exactly. Right? Yes, what do you exactly. Eat? It's, it's sugar. Everything is based on sugar. And especially when, you know, you're in your period or you're, you're PMSing, all you want is sugar. Because we have been offered the drug. It's kind of like, exactly. here's, here's the caffeine, the nicotine, and yes. the sugar. Because when we say yes. sugar, we're, we're not talking about an occasional no. piece of fruit or vegetable no. or even an occasional cookie or cake. No, this is a daily, daily affair. So but we want to I share that the fact that uh, the Indian carnivore, uh, uh, Mahek, is sharing an idea that's outrageously amazing. So many people in India that have been suffering now have a way to listen and learn that they can eliminate the drugs, the doctors, and the dissections. And the disease. And the, and, and, and the diseases ultimately. So that's always been my aim to get you diet free, doctor free, disease free, dietitian free. Just just be on your own. Learn the way you should eat your ancestral way of eating and teach your children. But the word diet is just a deadly uh, word in and of itself. It right? I mean, it's like, you know, rather than, you know, what's what's our sustenance that we're we're. We think too much about, well, I need this, this, and this. But if we eat the ancient meat with some vegetables or fruit, if you want, but it's once fine. a day, it's good. You're done. You're done. You're done. You don't have to think 10 times a day. What am I going to cook? What am I going to buy? And what am I going to eat? Who cares? 
Now, and and when are we going to recognize hunger? We are not recognizing our hunger. We're just eating as per everybody else's timing, as per the clocks. Well, we I even I know myself because if the food that is not good for us is everywhere in our sight, we're going to eat it. So exactly. you really have to clear the environment and get rid of. Yes. You got to throw it out. You got to throw it yes. out. Get rid of it. And because ultimately we're all geared to eat sugar because yeah. when it was available 100,000 years ago, like for a week on a tree that was fruit, you ate it, right? Exactly. Sweet fruit, yeah, absolutely. But, sweet fruit. but that's all you had, so. Now we have everything sweet, so. We have everything sweet. Mahek Lakandwala, Lakandwala. Yes, I hope sir. I pronounced that close enough. Yes, sir. But we, we, Thank you, sir. we're going to do this again, I know. I'm sure. And, uh, share with your community. We'll share with our community. Thank and you. I look forward to coming on with you at some point. Thank I you, sir. To. I really, really, it's, it was an honor. And I, I still can't believe I'm on the same frame with you. Uh, you are somebody that I always looked up to. And I keep reading your posts and your videos. And I really cannot believe that I'm with you on the same frame. Thank you so well, much for this, sir. It is my pleasure. I feel the same way. We're all leading and learning together. I love it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. God bless you. Take care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Carnivore Conversations, hosted by me, Dr. Robert Kiltz. And don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Check out drkiltz.com for more and subscribe to our Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook for more inspiring content every day. Take care and see you next time.